For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to self-indulge, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summoned up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornification, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I do want to also extend a happy Father's Day greeting to you as well. And I pray that today as you reflect and remember your father or your father-in-law, your grandfather, or someone who acted as a father to you, that it is a blessing to you this day as we celebrate those who have impacted our lives. Pastor Elizabeth has been away this week uh, enjoying a much-needed rest and some time with her family we have prayed for her as we know that the challenges in these last few weeks uh, have been very demanding. And so we will look forward to her return and you will see her again here uh, next Sunday. We are continuing the sermon series on the essentials of the Holy Spirit. And what does it mean on this side of Easter? Um, and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost uh, that birthed the church? And we've been using Paul's writing uh, to the churches at Galatia and his list of, um, the of what he names the fruit of the Spirit, these characteristics, these virtues um, of the faith that we see displayed in a life lived in the Spirit. Now, the passage that Will read for me in his video clip expands the text just a little bit. Uh, so just ahead of that list of all of those, uh, those fruit, um, Paul comes to sort of a climax of his uh, argument. And uh, he, he pits the uh, acts of the flesh or the desires of the flesh or those things that we do out of our flesh uh, compared to uh, those virtues and those characteristics uh, of the Spirit. 
What happened that prompted this letter and this writing was that some people had come behind Paul and was preaching another, what he called another gospel. They were preaching that in order to be um, considered a, part, a believer or part of this Christian community, this new way of life, that they first must be circumcised. And so he spends about four chapters preparing his argument before he gets to this point of what this life lived in the Spirit looks like. He presents this beautiful allegory of uh, the women who bore children to uh, Abraham, uh, Sarah, and Hagar, and he uses them to show uh, life lived what he calls under slavery, the slave child, or um, the life lived under freedom, the one who um, will receive the inheritance. Faith in Jesus itself reconciles us to Christ. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision matter in this gospel that Paul preached. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, and that is the foundational argument to his letter. But he wants us to not use this newfound freedom to indulge ourselves. This freedom has a purpose. It's not so that we can live however we want with no regard for sin, or doing whatever we want, simply because that we're under the grace of God and have received forgiveness for our sin. The gift of freedom is not to be used to satisfy our own desires or the desires of the flesh, but allows us to live humbly, serving one another and loving our neighbor well. Paul's dualism expressed by the Spirit, living by the Spirit and living by the flesh, is the reality of all of humanity. The reconciling work of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, has opened the door to a new way of life. We're no longer condemned by our sin, but have been offered the free gift of salvation through Christ. And so upon accepting this gift of God, we are also promised the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. We're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we begin this dance that Pastor Elizabeth talked about last week as she introduced uh, um, Richard Rohr, where the Father pours into the Son and the Spirit, and the Spirit and the Son pour into each other and back to the Father, and they begin this dance to which now we have been invited to participate in. And that's where this freedom comes from. It's a freedom that we live in unity with the Trinity as we move about our lives lived as an expression of the Holy Spirit. For us Methodists, we understand God's grace that is at work through the Spirit that happens or is happening long before baptism. Even though we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, as, as Methodists, as good Methodists, we recognize that God's grace goes before that moment, pursuing us 
wooing us, as we like to say, drawing us toward God's self. And we come to faith by the revelation of God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus would say that no one knows the Son except that He be revealed by the Spirit. Then why hasn't all of humanity come to Jesus? Why hasn't all of humanity come to faith in Christ? St. Augustine would say it's because there's a battle of wills raging inside of us. In the story of his own conversion, he writes about two wills. And it reminds us of those images of uh, the little devil and the little angel sitting on our shoulder and telling us contradiction uh, uh, information, information that contradicts one another. But, but what Augustine is saying is, no, it's all me. And it's a, it's a battle of the wills where I know the good I want to do, as Paul would say, but, oh, wretched man that I am, that I continue to do that which I do not want to do. And so that's what, that's what the saint talks about in his own conversion is there was this period where, where he knew what he ought to do, but he just wasn't ready to do it, and he wouldn't yield to the movement of the Spirit in his life. The ego is what divides us. The ego drives us to obsession for what we want. And what we want lives in conflict and tension with the soul with which it was created for. We are, after all, created in the image and the likeness of God, and, and God breathed into us His Spirit the Ruach, the Hebrew text says, the breath of life, the breath of God, it is already in us. We are who God created us to, to be. When we give up this fight and we begin to accept our true identity and live into it as divine creatures free to live in this dance with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when I was with a small group earlier this week and we were um, studying this text and we were having conversation and I was sort of unpacking this idea uh, that, that these attributes, the fruit of the Spirit, actually already exist within us, one of the participants shared a beautiful illustration of what it's like when we become what God created us to be all along. So if you can imagine a, a piece of antique furniture that has been passed down through the generations and somewhere along the way someone decides to restore it. And so as with each generation, it picks up more scratches and more marks and more wear and maybe more paint and layers of paint. And then someone decides to strip all of that away and to reveal what was underneath all along, to strip that pain and to sand out those stains and to smooth the finish and to see the beautiful piece of wood that the piece of furniture was created from, was there all along. This hard work of restoration is not ours to do. It is what is done to us by the power of the Holy Spirit 
constantly at work in us, returning us to ourselves, as Father Greg Boyle would say. Using Wesleyan language, where sanctification is described as going on to perfection, I would say that we cannot be perfect, but we can be perfected. And this is not the work that we do, but it is the work that God does in us through the Holy Spirit. Now, last week, Pastor Elizabeth introduced uh, in this clip from Richard Rohr the idea of surrender. And surrendering to the Spirit marks the beginning of this process or plays a, a role in the process where we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit and we become what the Holy Spirit would have us to be. And, and over the last few weeks, as I've been doing my work on this text, I've, I've described it as more of a yielding. And sort of like entering an intersection where a yellow light has come on, where ideally we would remove our pe- uh, foot from the accelerator and begin to slow down and prepare to stop. Now, I know that doesn't work in Charlotte because that's a totally different way than we drive here, but ideally we would prepare to stop. We would yield to this change And so when the Holy Spirit begins to work in us through these leadings or nudgings or these revelations, in those moments, we do have a choice. We choose to hear and respond and act, or we choose to press the accelerator and fly right on through it, living by our own desires, the desires of the flesh, as Paul would say. In Christ, we are free to live in the Spirit, allowing it to do its work that eventually produces this fruit that he is talking about. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I want you to hear this list as Attributes of God. God is love. God is patient. God is kind. God is gentle. God is generous. This idea that Paul, uh, this idea is central to Paul's theology. And he says it in a bunch of different ways throughout the letters that he writes using some different language, but he basically ends up in the same place all the time. That the Holy Spirit has the work or the power to do the work in our lives when we open ourselves up to it and allow the Holy Spirit to do that which it is capable of doing. It is expressed as he recounts the story of the Hebrew people, the giving of the law, 
the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and in the coming of the Holy Spirit. Paul wants us to know that God is still at work, reconciling all things to himself. It's this overarching idea of the salvation of all of creation. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in the world. Now, since it is the second week of our study, I will call attention to the second set of fruit, patience, kindness, and generosity. But I will say that there's been plenty of sermons on each of these. They make great sermon topics individually. And, of course, you've no doubt heard the phrase or the saying that when we pray for patience, what we get are opportunities to learn patience. And there are a lot of great quotes out there about kindness and generosity. But what I want to avoid, I want to avoid preaching to you about how to be more patient or how to be more kind or become more generous. This, I believe, would just affirm the idea that we need to strive to become better. Better husbands, better fathers, better mothers, better children, better people. And that's not the message of the gospel. And I don't think that's what Paul is is writing about. We're called to be holy. And the truth is that these these attributes are, are not ours to strive to. They are God's to bear in us. They're not to be achieved. They weren't set up as goals to live by. Paul just says, this is how it is. A life lived in the Spirit, rooted in the love of God, is more patient, is more kind, is more generous. It just is. They are a natural manifestation. They just happen. An apple tree doesn't have to decide to bear apples. It's what it was designed for. And if it's cared for and the soil is tended and it's fertilized and it gets water and it gets sunshine and it's healthy, it will bear apples. A life lived in the Spirit staying close to God through the disciplines of the faith and prayer and study and and worship and the Eucharist and serving and loving will bear fruit. The result is not just a more patient, kind, or generous version of yourself. It is the patience, kindness, and generosity of God being displayed in your life. We choose to yield to the Spirit. We become more and more like who we were created to be. The soul at its best, truest self, reflecting the light from which it came. Thanks be to God. Amen. There is a phrase in one of my favorite Holy Spirit songs that says, Lord, make me more aware of your presence. May you be more aware of God's presence in your life, in others, 
and in the world that by the power of the Holy Spirit you would yield to the Spirit that others may see the fruit of the Spirit born in you. Go in peace.